and I can heal whatever infirmity you feel that you have, whatever sickness, whatever pain, whatever struggle that you might be going through. I can heal it. If only you would just come to me and through faith believe that I can heal your situation regardless of how long you have been dealing with that issue. Many of us are known by our issues. We're known by the pain. We're known by the rejection. We're known by the abandonment. We're known by the situations that life has dealt to us. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored Podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith, and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to a live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast. I am your host, Tamaria Jordan. So I am coming to you today with an episode regarding what it means to be lame. And it actually came to me last night, and I was trying to figure out what the next podcast episode would be about. Ironically, I had the thought that in life, uh, sometimes we feel lame. We feel immobilized. We feel like we can't move forward because of condemnation or whatever it is that we're going through. And if you didn't catch last week's episode called Point of No Return, I mean, actually it was a couple of weeks ago, excuse me, um, on the 13th, I believe I recorded it on the 11th, but it wasn't published until a couple of days later. But that particular episode talked about how someone else's sin We sometimes allow ourselves to be condemned by what someone else did to us. And then we too fall into sin because of how we've been treated or things of that nature. So in that podcast episode, I talked about how Tamar was raped by her brother. And although all she wanted to do was help her brother, her reward essentially was being raped. And so for her just trying to help, I can't even imagine how that must have felt to be raped by your brother and then walk away a desolate woman. In her case, she walked away a desolate woman and was barren, uh, according to the scriptures, and not, of course, like herself. She was a daughter of the king, but yet because of her brother's sin, she walked away feeling ashamed, feeling down, feeling immobilized, uh, which When you think about life, there are so many situations that we may encounter that may make us feel the same way. And what I realize is that sometimes we try to carry the burden of other people's sin. And we can't carry that condemnation because the word reminds us to be angry, but sin not. And when we carry that sin, when we carry that shame, it makes us more apt to act in ways that we may not be pleased with ourselves because we carry that anger or that frustration or that unforgiveness or that hurt. And I didn't really start to realize the impact and significance of it until I read that story. And then I thought about how condemnation works. Condemnation separates us from God. It makes us feel like 
I can't go back and talk to my father because of what I've done. And in that last episode, I talked about the prodigal son and how sometimes you feel like you're at a point of no return because of mistakes you've made, situations you've put yourself in or allowed yourself to be in, um, consequences that you've suffered as a result of your own actions, or maybe consequences you've suffered at the hands of someone else. And you could very well be well-intentioned, but you don't know what other people's intentions are. So the reason I titled This is So Lame is to kind of go along with that particular topic, because as I mentioned, I was up in the middle of the night, and that's when the thought came to me that some of us feel like we just can't move forward. We feel like, you know, we are lame. And I will read the definition of the word because I think it's important to think about the etymology of the word, which also can mean halt. And when you look at the formal definition, it means unable to walk without difficulty as the result of an injury or illness affecting the leg or foot. It could also mean your leg or foot being affected by injury or illness or being naive or socially inept. And other synonyms with regard to the word lame include debilitate, injure, weaken, or immobilize. And when we think of the story of Tamar, that particular story, it shows just how difficult life can be for some individuals and where they feel like because of life situations, I've now become immobilized and I cannot make it. I cannot go back to where I was. Second Samuel 13, there were two brothers in the story. The story is about Amnon and Tamar. Absalom was actually the brother who was angry at Amnon for raping Tamar. Now, the reason I brought up Absalom is earlier I talked about how the word reminds us that even if we are angry, do not sin. So in Ephesians 4, but what ended up happening is Absalom was so angry with his brother that ultimately he killed him. And then he fled because of the sin that he committed against his brother, but he felt like he was justified in a sense in avenging his sister who was raped by Amnon. And so when you think about life and you think about situations and you think about the fact that being lame in def by definition is being unable to walk, being unable to do some of the things that you may have been able to do or some of the things that you may see other people do and or enjoy. And so when I looked up that word, another word that came up is maimed. And it was talking about, you know, someone, of course, being injured at the leg or foot. And when I looked up the definition of maimed, it means to injure, disable, or disfigure, usually by depriving of the use of a limb or other part of the body. It also means to make imperfect or defective, to impair. And so when I talked about in the point of no return, Amnon and Tamar, again, Amnon raping Tamar and Tamar walking away a desolate woman, I started to think about how many of us are in situations where we feel like who we are has become impaired, not necessarily because of something that we did, but it may be how we see ourselves. and. With regard to that, 
oftentimes I think we struggle because we may not see ourselves how God sees us. We may see ourselves through a tainted lens where because of our own sin or because of someone else's sin, now we feel like I can't move forward. I am stuck in this place because I have made a mistake. I have sinned and I am therefore feeling condemnation and I'm at a point of no return. And so as I thought about this last night, I was listening to uh, some T.D. Jake sermons and the story that kept coming up was the woman with the issue of blood. And when I think about what it means by definition to be lame or to be maimed, unable to proceed as though you were before, I thought about how many of us may live our life similar to the woman with the issue of blood. And the woman with the issue of blood, um, it was interesting that I had listened to, it was actually like three sermons that came up, um, but the second and third sermons were talking about, again, the woman with the issue of blood. And I thought that was interesting because I thought to myself, wow, why is it that that particular story kept coming up? So when you read in the word, it's in Luke uh, chapter eight, and the story about the woman with the issue of blood doesn't come up until about verse 43. And it says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. So essentially her bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me? Of course, they're confused at this point. How do we know essentially? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me for I perceived that virtue was gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And when I think about the fact that she was afraid to come to Jesus and say, I touched you. And when I touched you, I was healed. She touched the hem of his garment and was healed. And I think about life and how many of us are right there. We may be surrounded by a whole lot of people, but still feel lonely. And God is like, all you need to do is touch the hem of his garment. Believe that my son died for your sins. Touch the hem of his garment so that you may be healed. And when she did, when she did speak up and she came to him and said that it was her who touched the hem of his garment. He said, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And when I think about life, I think about a lot of different situations that we may find ourselves in. And many of us, again, may feel condemned because of life situations. But he literally told her that her faith, and when we think about faith, that is the whole premise of confidence restored. And trust and believe, I'm not perfect. I am talking to myself right now. And I just thank God for revelation. Because he is literally like, I just need you to touch the hem of my garment and I can heal whatever infirmity you feel that you have, whatever sickness, whatever pain, whatever struggle that you might be going through. I can heal it. If only you would just come to me 
and through faith believe that I can heal your situation regardless of how long you have been dealing with that issue. And you notice that they don't defi- they don't mention her name. They continuously say the woman with the issue of blood. Many of us are known by our issues. We're known by the pain. We're known by the rejection. We're known by the abandonment. We're known by the situations that life has dealt to us. When you think about even in the news as of late, there is one of the Celtics coaches, Emi Udoko, who um, was engaged to, or who is probably still engaged currently to um, actress Nia Long. And it has been in the news. There is a cheating scandal. But what I thought was interesting about her situation is that individuals started to put her name in the news because she was engaged to to Emi, who is said to have had an improper relationship with a female team staff member. So he has been suspended for the season. But I found it interesting that she ended up being the woman who was in the spotlight, not the woman, not the woman that her fiance had an inappropriate relationship with, but her name is the name that you see in a lot of the headlines because of her position in terms of being an actress and being in the limelight. And I thought to myself, sometimes life situations can be unfair. Some people may try to figure out, okay, well, what did she do? Why did it happen to her? Some people are making light of the situation that she was cheated on and saying, you know, everyone, it happens to so many other women. She's no different. And that may be true. That doesn't make it right. But why is it that oftentimes in this particular case, her name is the name that you continue to see because it seems like she is the woman with the issue Meanwhile, she did not know that her fiance was having a relationship outside of their relationship with someone else who did happen to be married, according to news reports. It's interesting that the focus is not on the other woman and the man. Now, the focus is on the man because he was suspended, but I just found it interesting that the pictures continuously show her as though she is the one with the issue even though she had nothing to do with his choices. And so I think about life and how many of us, either by choice or sometimes by force because of what other people do, do we walk around carrying an issue? The woman with the issue of blood was known because she had the issue of blood, but it didn't say how she came to have that particular issue. Was she born with that issue? Uh, My guess is probably not because it says she had it for 12 years. So she probably had it later on in life. But when we think about that issue, we don't know from the story what occurred before that, nor do we know what happened after that. So often in life, we see a snapshot. And I use that particular example of what's been happening in the news with Nia Long and the Celtics and Amy, because that's something that you keep seeing in the news. Meanwhile, there's other Um, news that is happening that has not been highlighted as much as this particular scandal. But there have been many other scandals. For instance, I know there is the conversation about Brett Favre taking millions in welfare money, but yet that story hasn't garnered as much attention, at least according to some resources. And so when you think about life and you think about issues and you think about things that people encounter in life, we don't know 
the beginning. We don't necessarily know the end. We only see what people show or we only see what we hear. I don't know the full story between what happened with the Celtics coach or the female staffer. We only know what we read, which is a portion of the story. It's not the beginning and it definitely isn't the end because we don't know the end. We don't even know the end for our own lives. But so many people make judgments based on that and they start to call people based on their issues. And some of us start to call ourselves based on our issue. So if say, for instance, you were rejected. If you continue to look at yourself as a reject because someone chose not to value you, then your decisions from then on out will be based on that perspective coming from a place of rejection and hurt. And so your actions may be different versus if you were coming from a place of being healed and being whole and feeling loved and appreciated. And so I started to think about how condemnation works and how the enemy starts to sneak in and lie to us. And even when I think back to the last episode with regard to the point of no return, the prodigal son had to come to himself in order to go back to his father's house and say, I am an heir. And yes, I may have squandered what you gave me, but here I am. See me in my nakedness, essentially nakedness, meaning see me as I am. I am not the person that you thought I would be, but I'm coming to you now, letting you know what I did and asking for your help. And many of us, because we don't want to acknowledge where we are in our true heart's condition, it makes it hard for us to ask for help. In this particular case, in the scripture, the woman had to acknowledge who she was. She had to put her hand up and essentially say, here I am. It is me. I am the one who touched the hem of your garment. I am the one who needs help. I am the woman with the issue of blood. So if we don't acknowledge our condition, we can't get help for our condition. And I started to think about this in terms of the healing at the pool. And so in this particular scripture, it is John 5, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made, who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. 
So when I think about that, this man had been in that condition for 38 years. Some of us have been in our condition for pretty much our entire lives, and we feel like there is no hope of getting well. And I wasn't sure why that particular story kept coming to mind last night, even before the woman with the issue of blood. And now it's starting to become clear is that some of us, because we've been in that condition, one, we feel like we have to stay there, but then we're looking for someone else to do the work. He was laying there and said he didn't have anyone to put him in the pool when the water was stirred. Because in his mind, if I can just get to the water when the water is stirred, I can get healed. But I need someone to help me. And yes, that is true. Sometimes we do need people to help. But in this particular case, when Jesus told him to get up and walk, he could have kept laying there and said, well, I don't believe that I can walk. I am lame. I am debilitated. I'm immobilized. How do you expect me to pick up my mat and walk? He didn't say that. He actually did it. So that in and of itself was a show of faith to say, regardless of the 38 years I've been laying here by this pool, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to trust that when you tell me to get up and walk, that I can walk. And that is what he did. Some of us just need to get up and walk. Some of us need to push our way through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. And the enemy wants you to believe that you can't get well. It is a trick. He wants us to live in condemnation. He wants us to stay immobilized. He wants us to believe that we've had our condition so long that there is no hope of improvement for us and that God doesn't still love us and that we can't come back to God. Again, like in the last podcast with regard to the prodigal son, some of us just need to come to ourselves. And the scripture that I'm going to leave off with is Hebrews 12. And this is where I'd like to close out today in terms of scripture references. But in Hebrews 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Starting in verse four, it talks about how God disciplines his children. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone who accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. 
And I want to pause there for a second because you may remember the man by the pool at Bethesda. He said, you have been made, you have been healed, but do not go on and continue sinning lest something worse shall come on you. And for some of us, we have taken advantage of grace. Um, And even I can say myself included, there are things that I think I have not intentionally because the word says we all fall short of the glory of God. But I think sometimes there are things that we may do that we may not consider to be a sin. So for instance, I didn't even realize for the longest time that worry is considered a sin because it shows I don't have faith in God. I don't trust if I worry. And I know that some people will say, well, if you're going to worry, don't pray. And if you're going to pray, don't worry. And for some, it's easier said than done because we allow life situations to taint how we view life. And that's one small example of the many examples I'm sure many of us can think of with regard to where we fall short. And I realized in my studies that some um, spirits that we fight against, including like the spirit of pride or the spirit of fear or what have you, some spirits only come out by prayer and fasting. The word tells us that because there was a time where the disciples said, why can't we cast out these spirits? And the word says it only comes out by prayer and fasting. And even in Job, when he was trying to defeat the spirit of Leviathan, essentially it wasn't until he realized that that was a spirit he could not combat on his own. Some of us have to be like the woman with the issue of blood, come to God trembling and say, because that's the only fear we should have is of of God. And meaning, because the word even tells us not to fear man and what they can do to you, but fear God, because he made heaven and earth. So people can, of course, do things to our natural bodies, but God ultimately has to say whether we make it into heaven or hell, and especially for believers. And so when you think about life and you think about the enemy and how crafty and how wicked he is, he wants us to stay in our condition. He wants us to lay by the well or lay by the water for 38 years and never even try to get to the water, never try to get help or to make excuses and say, hey, you know what? I couldn't get well because of X, Y, and Z. I couldn't get well because of what they did to me. I can't get well because of whatever it is. Same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. She had to be bold enough to say, it was me who touched the hem of your garment. But in order for her to even decide to do that, she had to acknowledge the fact that she had an issue with blood or an issue of blood. And so when we think about Hebrews 12, it says, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. And God, of course, corrects those whom he loves. And so even for myself, I feel like I'm in a season of transition and a lot of correction where there might be things that I felt like, you know, hey, I'm justified in my action or my response to how others may treat me. But then you start to realize that If you change as a result of how someone else treats you, then technically you're no better than they are because you're starting to allow what they do to taint who you are. And so you have to stand up and say, you know what? Just because other people may choose to treat me a certain way, it doesn't mean I have to trade poison for poison. God says he will get vengeance. Vengeance is his. 
And I didn't really understand that at first because so often we want to fight our own battles. But I'm finally like, God, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm trying to get out of the ring. Like, I'm going to let you fight my battles because he keeps reminding me I have your back. And I remember several weeks ago, I was thinking about the Egyptians and how because they were pursuing the Israelites and not out of a good place, out of malice after they set them free, they drowned in the Red Sea. And they drowned in the Red Sea because they kept pursuing them after they told them they could be free. So for some of us, we're sitting here trying to fight a battle. And God says, if they keep pursuing you with malice in their hearts, with hardened hearts, they will drown themselves trying to come after you. And I have seen countless examples of this occurring and not necessarily a physical drowning, but the trap that other people set for you they end up falling in themselves. So as much as we may want to clear our name and help people understand our perspective, sometimes it's not necessary because eventually God will show them better than you can. And I do recall looking up because there was a time where I was just seeing so much in the news and it just seemed like the wicked was winning. And I said, God, how is this fair? But I kept reading in Psalms and it talked about how they're not Psalms, excuse me, in Revelation, how there's no rest for the wicked. So, yes, it may seem like on the surface they are getting away with what they did to you, but they will not rest. They will not have any peace because of what they did. The same way that we as believers don't have peace when we sin. And so God is like, the reason I'm still correcting you is because I love you. And like I said, even for myself, this is a message for me because I know that I have fallen into the trap sometimes of allowing what other people have done or what other people do to change how I react to life situations. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, no, I don't want to allow other people to immobilize me, to change me, to make me feel any type of way. And so when I recorded the point of no return, I said, wow, this is a really powerful reminder that. We have to let other people own their own shame and condemnation. Because someone chooses to do something to you, it is not a reflection on you. Similar to the situation that we're seeing unfold with the Boston Celtics situation. Because Nia Long's fiance chose to cheat on her, that's not a reflection on her. That was an action that he took. And other people have been in the news as of late with regard to similar type situations. Uh, the musician um, Adam Levine has also been in the news with regard to inappropriate conversations outside of his marriage um, with regard to speaking with another woman and um, having inappropriate conversations behind his wife's back. And with regard to that, it has nothing to do necessarily with his wife, some people will try to blame the other person. And it goes both ways. If it was a woman and a man, man and a woman, um, or, you know, whatever the case is, if you are having conversations that you do not want to share with your significant other, there's a reason you don't want to share it because the truth would reveal your intentions are not good. But that doesn't mean that the other person is to blame because that other person can't make you do anything. The same way that other person has a choice to be faithful, so do you. And so if you choose not to be faithful, then that is a choice. That is not a reflection on the other person. It is a personal choice. 
No, the other person may not be perfect either. And maybe they get on your nerves. Who knows what the reason is or what reason people try to use to justify their actions. But at the end of the day, we all have a choice. And what we choose to do, it's our choice. So if I choose to get angry and sin because of what you did to me, that choice to get angry and sin is on me. That is not on you. Many of us may say, well, they made me do it. Technically, yes, they may have made you angry, but again, it reminds us in Ephesians to sin not. So yes, you can be upset and rightfully so, but your actions that you choose after that point are your own. And even for me, I have had to own my actions and how I respond to life and how I respond to other people's poor choices. And now I'm to a point where I'm like, God, I don't have to keep responding. I don't have to share my story. I don't have to try to justify or make someone understand where I'm coming from. Because at the end of the day, if they don't want to understand my perspective, they have a right not to understand my perspective the same way that I have a right to walk away. And so when I go back to the scripture that I said we would end on Hebrews 12, I'm going to keep going in verse 14. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And that's the piece about the unforgiveness because Absalom, the brother who was supporting Tamar, who took her in after her brother Amnon raped her before he killed um, his brother, he had that anger that he held on to for years. And then he purposely plotted to kill his brother to get revenge for his sister. So that bitter root continues to grow because that's what we're feeding. And now I understand more and more why it's so important to forgive. It's not just for you. It's also so that you don't sin and you don't allow that bitter root to grow because the devil is looking for a foothold or way in. Verse 16 continues, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. And so often we make decisions in the heat of the moment or as a result of a situation And we have to live with those consequences, unfortunately. It doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive us. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. But for every action, there is a consequence, whether that is condemnation, whether that's rejection, whether that's abandonment, whatever feelings come along with our actions, we have to be intentional about going to God and saying, hey, I did X, Y, and Z. And I ask you for healing, regardless for how long that situation may have occurred or how long you've been dealing with that issue, like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years or the man by the pool at Bethesda for 38 years, regardless of how long you've been dealing with that issue, that unforgiveness, that hurt, that pain, that shame, you can come back to God like the prodigal son. But first, we have to be willing to raise our hand and admit, hey, here I am. I have a problem. And I need your help because this I can't handle on my own. So in verse 18, Hebrews 12, still, it says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. 
because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things so that cannot be shaken so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reference and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So Hebrews 12 covers a lot. It talks about how God disciplines his children because he cares for us. It gives us a warning, but it also encourages us that we can still come back. Um, from our mistakes. And then it talks about the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy that even still, when we are trembling with fear and we're wondering, you know, how can I go on? Can I make it? This situation is too hard. Can I come back from this situation? We can. We do not have to be to the point of being lame where we feel like we can't walk, where we feel like we are Um, immobilized, or we are halted, or we are incapacitated, that we are not good enough. So I hope and pray that this message encourages someone. Um, I know it's a reminder for myself as well, that we can come back from where we've been. We don't have to stay there. And I just hope that you remember whose you are today. And that confidence restored is really more so about restoring faith and hope. And knowing that like the prodigal son, we can come back no matter what someone has done to us, no matter how long we've been in our condition, like the woman with the issue of blood, whether it's 12 years or 38 years, like the man at the well or the man by the water in Bethesda who was healed from being lame. No matter how long you've been dealing with that issue, we can be healed. But first we have to acknowledge what it is that we need to be healed from and what we feel. I hope that this message really blesses your soul and encourages you to keep going. So on that note, again, thank you for your support. Thank you all for tuning in week after week. And as I like to always say, keep on keeping on. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash America. Until next time, be blessed.